Where did morality come from? Welcome to Answers News for August the 1st, 2022. Well, hi, I'm Ken Ham, and today joined with Dr. Georgia Purnam and also rocket scientist Rob Webb. Just rocket science. We're going to be here to talk about, well, the origins of morality and a number of other news items related to science and social issues, but we do it from a biblical worldview. All right. So, our first article, what might 100,000 more years of evolution do for the future of morality? All right, so basically this article is a lot of conjecture. (laughs) Um, And the idea that this article purports is that there's been this evolutionary drag, is what they're going to call it, so Mm -hmm. that basically they would say our minds evolved that to the point that we knew we should be moral as far as sexual ethics are concerned. We should be sexually moral, but our bodies were lagging behind. So while we wanted to do these things, we couldn't do these things because our bodies weren't involved enough, even though our minds were. Well, first of all, I want to know something. For someone who believes we just evolved by chance anyway, why can they even use the word morality? Exactly. I mean, who decides what morality really is? And Mm -hmm. is there a right and the wrong? And I mean, in the article, he seems to be talking about the fact that we sort of have this innate sense or something, but isn't it what Romans 2 tells us, that God wrote the law on our hearts so we have a conscience, we know what's right and wrong? Outside of an absolute authority, who decides right and wrong? Right. Yeah, and this is actually nothing new. If you guys think about, like, a lot of the ancient mysticism, Eastern religions, always talking about the mind and the body and the spirit having that connection, how the mind is good but the body is bad. So we're just basically seeing another uh, form of that coming about today. It's, it's really going back to the exact same sin that, that went back to the Garden of Eden. You know, it's that, that self-autonomy, that self-pride of, of becoming um, basically your own God, deciding right and wrong for yourself. And like, like Ken was saying, but where do they even get that term right and wrong, that term morality even from? Because in the secular worldview, if we're all just matter and motion, if we're just chemicals fizzing about, you know, where do you actually get those words from? So all the way through and through, they're actually borrowing from the biblical worldview to even even define any morality, what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. Um, and this is just, you know, that false narrative that talks about, you know, just with more evolution, more time, uh, just more progress, you know, with the right environment, the right education, we'll become better people, you know, it's, it's, which is obviously contrary to scripture like we were talking about. You know, it's, it's the hearts are deceitful, like it says in Jeremiah 17, Romans 3, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. No one does good, no, not one. Ephesians 2, that we're all dead in our sins. And that's why we need the Savior to save us because of those Well, it says that um, maybe in a million years we'll evolve to an even better morality and all the rest. Mm -hmm. I got news from we're not evolving morality, we're devolving if you look at our culture right now. We're not progressing. I mean, you just look at the last decade, right? And you think about the issues that we're dealing with that we weren't even dealing with at at this level, at least Mm -hmm. even 10 years ago. And, you know, one of the things I thought about the article too was it is really conjecture because they're saying there was this drag, but how do they know? There's no eyewitnesses. There's nothing written down in their evolutionary history. So again, it's just total storytelling to try to uh, promote these ideas, which Mm -hmm. are very obviously problematic and very arbitrary. Like we say, we're How do you decide what's arbitrary? Let's give you a practical example. Just over six years ago, after the ark opened, the day after the ark opened, I took Bill Nye through the ark. And we videoed two hours of the conversation. Mm -hmm. We call it the second debate, actually, Mm -hmm. because the first debate was in in this room here. Mm -hmm. And I asked Bill Nye about this. Okay, here's someone who totally rejects God, believes we evolved. Uh, So let's see what happened. So let me ask a question. How do you determine what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad? On what basis 
Like if these young people over here want to know what's right and what's wrong, how do you determine that? Two ways. Mm -hmm. First of all, based on what I feel mm -hmm. as a member of the human tribe. So feelings, so sub they're subjective. Absolutely. So your what feelings. We call subjective. Okay, but your we feelings. Call a result of uh, altruism. So your your feel. feelings could be different to somebody else's feelings. So the second thing. Correct. Is, your feelings could be different absolutely. to somebody else. The so somebody could have a different morality to you. Different morality. I'm open-minded, but a little skeptical. A different view of a specific event. Okay. So if somebody said to you, "I think types like you are dangerous. I want to get rid of you," would you say that's right or wrong? It depends. Okay. Okay? And here's right. the second thing. Mm -hmm. You remember I mentioned there were two things. Mm -hmm. The second thing is we establish laws by consensus. By consensus. So Our different... tribe gets together okay. and decides what's right and wrong. Okay. We so not only that, we, decide, we, just, we agree on degrees of rightness and wrongness. Okay. A parking so ticket, not as serious as running somebody over with your car. So there could be a different consensus by a different group. Absolutely, and this process is what we call You just said absolutely, but that's an absolute. Very much. You said an absolute. Very much. We determine this by our legal system. And tribes all over the world have legal systems and legal traditions. That pretty well sums it up, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, basically, he's taking his feelings and elevating that basically as his ultimate standard above truth and what God's word actually says. So that's why we say all the time, it's important. We need to be thinking biblically throughout all of these issues. Yeah, and you know, when you look at what's happening in our culture right now, because many, most of our political leaders do not build their thinking on the absolute authority yeah. of yeah, God's word. The Therefore, anything the goes except the absolutes of God's yeah. word. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what's yeah. happening. Yeah, right. All right, eight years, nine years, six years ago, a climate change activist guide to doomsday. <laughs> so um, it's really interesting when you look at a lot of these doomsday scenarios and, and a lot of this has been going on in Congress recently, looking at different um, green deals and things like that and what should be done and what not should be, you know, what shouldn't be done in order to avoid climate change. And what the article is saying is, look, every time one of these prophets, so to speak, said, well, this is when the world's going to end, or this is when it's going to be a major problem. Every single one of them doesn't come to fruition, right? It doesn't happen. Al Gore did this, you know, years ago. Everything was going to end by, what, 2016 or something? Yeah. And it's 2022, and we're all yeah. still here, and we're fine, yeah. and, you know, and so it's just saying that there's a lot of, there's a lot of assumptions in climate change, and if the assumptions are wrong, then the predictions are going to be wrong. You know, I remember when I was going to university, that was millions years ago. Uh, but <laughs> I remember them talking about the fact that um, by now all the coastal cities would be flooded and no one would be able to live there. I, I also yeah. noticed that a lot of these people that are advocating all this climate, radical climate change stuff have no problems living on the coast. Exactly, yeah. You know, so, I, hey, if they don't start their thinking on God's word, but man's word, mm -hmm. they have the wrong foundation, right? Exactly. Yeah. Because from God's word perspective, Rob, you're a rocket scientist. If you start from God's word, would you expect climate change? I mean, from, from God's word, yeah, we expect climate change because the climate's been changing ever since the flood, ever since the flood of Noah's day. So, yeah, and, and of course, also on the biblical worldview, we're called to care for our creation. We're to be good stewards of creation. But at the same time, like Romans 1 says, we don't worship the creation. We worship the creator. And sadly, with a lot of these uh, climate alarmists, they're actually worshiping something that he has created. They're worshiping everything around us. And, and it's actually, if you really think about it, it's a false religion. They have their own set of false prophets. They have their own prophets. 
prophecies, predictions of the end times. And, and, and like we were saying, Al Gore is one of those major prophets that, that over and over again, he keeps making these prophecies over and over saying the world's going to end. Uh, the coastlands are going to be flooded, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's interesting. They, they basically say the reason why uh, they're not coming to, uh, to fruition is because scientists assume a larger temperature increase will happen and actually does. That skews the entire prediction. So, I mean, why keep making these, <laughs> these prophecies you know then? From, uh, from God's perspective, uh, uh, Genesis 8.22, after mm -hmm. the flood, That's right. uh, what do we yeah. read? God promised that while the earth remains... Seed time and harvest, day and night, summer and winter will not cease. So man is not going to destroy the earth. So these and, politicians are wrong. And we know how it's going to end. <laughs> it's not. Yes. And, and again, that doesn't excuse us. We should be taking care of the earth, right? We're to have dominion over it and to take yeah. care of it. But we know in the Bible how it's going to end. It's all going to burn, right? And God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. But... Um, but, you know, one of the things when I was reading this article, I thought, you know, they're so worried about animals that, you know, animals, how are the animals going to survive? How's vegetation going to survive? And yet over and over again, we do articles on Answers News that talk about how animals are actually adapting to increased temperature changes and how things are thriving and doing just fine because that's how God designed the animals and the vegetation to be able to adapt and deal with But the it. other thing is temperatures have increased in the past and then decreased mm -hmm. and then increased and then decreased. And yeah. because the earth is very resilient and God set it up up that way uh, because man is not going to destroy the earth and yeah. there's so much more to it there's so much oh, more yeah. involved uh, in, in what's going on and you know Georgia you said um, we were given dominion over the creation mm -hmm. well the way the politicians a lot of them do it today they have the creation having dominion over right. us mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and it's the wrong way around and you know the other thing is <clears throat> that I, I notice a lot of times, like, there's terrible floods in Kentucky right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've had terrible floods before. Right. And we, you'll often read about these politicians say, look what climate change has done. They've got these bad fires in California. Well, I'll go back in history. They've had some really bad fires mm -hmm. uh, in California before, too. And then in Australia recently, they had some massive floods. And, and people were saying, see, it's all because of climate change, because we never had so many people affected before. Well, those people never lived there before, right? Yeah. And the population has increased. We've got more people, mm -hmm. and they're living in some of these places that are prone to floods. I mean, there's so much more to it. But a lot of the younger generation, they don't go and check history. In fact, they've been basically told, give up the past and just think about things right now. Right. You know? Right. But at the same time, from the secular worldview, you have to think about why even bother? Why even care about this creation? Why even care yeah. about the animals, the plants, even the humans on the planet? So you see them being inconsistent within that worldview. We say that all the time. I always look at the foundation. What are they actually basing all of these knowledge claims on? Is it on man's word or is it on God's word that doesn't change? Well, you know, an another question I asked Bill Nye, I haven't got the video clip here, but was, mm -hmm. you know, what happens to you when you die? He says, you're done. Mm -hmm. Right? And then, I, and then I said, well, so what's the purpose of fighting creationists? It's all meaningless. Life is meaningless. Oh, yes, but we pass on our genes to the next generation. I said, then they die, they're done. Yeah. Ultimately, everyone dies, they're done. And, you know, even in this article, you know, oh, we, we're, we're trying to preserve things for the future. And so what's the point? If, if everyone yeah. dies and they won't even know they were here, yeah. what's the, it's all purposeless and meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. Besides which, maybe what man is doing right now is a part of what's, what's needed for a pressure for, to evolve into something. Yeah. better. Yeah, they right, can't exactly, be consistent yeah. with that. I yeah. mean, you know, if we're just going to let things go naturally, that's how evolution works, you know, mm -hmm. natural selection, things like that. So we shouldn't be messing with it, you know, because maybe this is a good thing and a calling and, you know, all of that. So right, they right, can right. never be consistent with their worldview. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I will say this. There is one sentence here I agree with in the article. Okay. 
We have a few years left and that's it. The planet is dying. The planet is dying. Romans 8, the whole creation groans, Rounds. right? Yeah. Everything's running down. And I got news, everyone else is dying too. Yeah, yeah we live yeah. in a fallen world. And, and they need yeah. to make sure that they put their faith and trust in the Lord. Absolutely, yeah. yep. Okay, next article. CRISPR gene editing may cause permanent damage study. So uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, so CRISPR is basically a tool that is being used to make specific edits in um, cells. In, in some, some studies have been done in human beings, but mainly in cells right now and other and, and animals. Um, to, and it's a very nice gene editing tool because it's very specific. So you can go to a very specific mutation and basically correct it rather than doing at least the ideas, rather than doing damage in a lot of other places. And so um, it, and so now though, the more that they're doing studies on it, the more that they're finding that there may actually be some problems with it. So um, in this study, what they actually found was that in about 10% of the cells that they used this tool in to try to fix a mistake, in about 10% of the cells, it made, some, it made some other mistakes, basically. And the problem is, is if it's doing that, then it can lead to cancer cell formation, which is the exact opposite, obviously, of what you want, would want to do in an individual. So let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Right, CRISPR is gene editing, so scientists can go in and and cut up the DNA and sort of edit it, edit but, your mm -hmm. genes, okay? Right. Um, and that could even help some people. It could be a really, really good thing, yeah. But it can also do the opposite. So, yeah. so from, a, from a human perspective, we didn't talk about this earlier or anything, mm -hmm. but from a human, you're a geneticist, right? right? So from a human perspective, should they experiment on humans doing that sort of thing? Well, I think it depends on what type of experimentation you're doing. You know, if it's for, um, it's an adult human being that has like a, a certain disease and they know the specific mutation. Some of, they've been doing a lot of work even with certain eye diseases because they know the specific mutation. I don't have a problem with them going in and trying to fix it, okay? And again, we need to do certain things to make sure it's safe, which is why these types of studies are being done. You have to weigh the pros and the cons, so to speak, with anything. But the problem is, do I think they should be doing it to, let's say, embryos, um, which is where some of the studies have taken place. And my answer is no, because first of all, they kill the embryos in the process of doing this. They don't allow them to grow um, and to be implanted in the mom. But secondly, because um, you're actually then changing like the human genome and it's going to be passed on to future generations. That's what I was say. And yeah. that's where it's very could be very very problematic and and we just don't know enough about it. This is another study that shows we still don't know enough about this. We got to be really careful with this. Yeah, it's those long-term sure. consequences. I feel like we don't really quite know mm -hmm. and then understand, but at, at the same time I, I think it is good that we're looking for ways to lessen the curse, the effects of the curse right. we're living sure. in a fallen world, but we got to do it with great caution. We got to be careful yeah. too because man wants to be his own god. Right, that's right. And right. I mean, that's part of the sin mm -hmm. nature, going back to Genesis 3. And so when the, man wants to be his own God, he can then be doing things for the wrong reasons right. and <clears throat> causing some problems and so yeah. on. Yeah, we have and to be very careful. I think careful. we actually have a DVD if you want to listen to George Aper, the more on genetics and a lot of the frequently asked questions, genetics, evolution, and creation. Uh, it's a DVD if people still have DVD players, of course. But um, <laughs> Or you can watch it on Answers it's TV. It's also on Answers TV as yeah. well, uh, if you guys have that. So you guys, uh, if you guys want to learn more about genetics and or just want to listen yeah. to Georgia talk a little bit more, yeah. you yeah. can you know, check th that out. There is something at the end here that I thought I'd just read real quickly. It says CRISPR uh, uh, therapeutics, in which DNA is edited, uh, as a means of treating cancer might in extreme scenarios actually 
uh, promote malignancies, it's saying, because I think the thing to remember is we're never going to cure right. every disease. No. Right? It's like people who, want, yep. who think, oh, we can have the perfect climate. Uh, if we can stop so-called climate change, we'll have the perfect climate. Nothing's going to be per no. perfect on this earth. There's going to be tornadoes. There's going to be hurricanes. Mm -hmm. There's going to be all these things because it's a fallen world. It's a groaning world. And the flood affected everything and then the ice age. Right. And because of sin, there's disease. You're not going to get rid of every right. disease. doesn't mean we can't try to help alleviate right. We need things, to develop tools to try to to mitigate the effects of the curse as much as possible, but no tool is ever perfect either. Yeah, so, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, this next article, please laugh about my abortion with me. So is the title of it, it's hard to read that. This but was a sick article. It's a yeah, sick is, article. Is, so sick it, I didn't even Alison Leiby, I don't know exactly how you pronounce her last name, but she basically is a comedian and a writer who's performing a show, show and I won't say, Basically, it's just about abortion and getting people. She had an abortion, so she's trying to get people to basically um, laugh at that um, and not to have the stigma of that they did something wrong, but rather to know that they did something right because that's what she believes about her own abortion, that she did something right, and she just wants people to be able to laugh about that, even in the wake of what she would consider you know, our rights being taken away when it comes to abortion. And you know what? What she's doing is she wants them to laugh at murder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what it is. It is. Because as I've often said, abortion is nothing less than child sacrifice mm -hmm. to the God of self. self. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And to get people to laugh at that. And, you know, this whole Roe versus Wade thing, but, you know, even though that's not the, the topic right. of this paper, but nonetheless it's mentioned in here, but that's where a lot of people are being uh, told false ideas about that too, mm -hmm. because a lot of the left are out there saying abortion has now been banned, you know, because Roe versus Wade is overturned, therefore abortion is... That, that's not even true. It's we still, wish it it's was. Still legal. But yeah, yeah. Every, it every state's still legal. Basically, all they did is they just basically got kind of just pushed it away, transferred it to the states to be able to uh, control from there. But I mean, yeah, I mean, this just kind of reminds me of the whole shout your abortion kind of kind of pro death chant you're seeing throughout our culture of death today, and really just trying to trivialize death. But it just reminds me of Luke six forty five, which says, "Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." So really, this just proves her heart is dark, and she needs a transformation. She needs that that heart of stone to be transformed into a heart of flesh, so she can desire what God desires and hate what God hates. And, and so basically, you know, she's trying to make all these jokes basically to suppress the reality that she did murder her child onto the altar of God of self, really to the God of convenience, to the God of comfort. And, you, and you, basically you see that all the way through and through uh, throughout this article, basically talking about, you know, I'm not going to be able to afford the kind of child care. Uh, what would my life be like without this? Basically kind of viewing the child as like this curse, like this burden, you know. Well, it's you all have about to... the self, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, talk yeah. about the God of self. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's saying, well, because it's would inconvenience me yeah. and would be such a burden on me yes. that I, that I, you know, want to do this. And yeah. regardless, yeah. none of those should be the way you judge this issue. It should be, what does is, what is God's word say? Right. And right. we know life begins at fertilization, and we know we're made in the image of God, and we know that murder is wrong. Yeah. It's interesting how at the end, she said after her show, she cried from her sadness and anger about the loss of civil liberties for so many. In other words, because of the Roe versus Wade thing, you know what she should be crying for? She should be crying for the dead children. Yeah. Yeah. The Absolutely. children that 
necessarily murder in their wombs. Yeah. That's what she should be. At the end, for. she even talks about damage and death that will result. Well, wait a minute. Where, where, where do you have, where, like all of a sudden you care about death? I mean, yeah. what about the preborn? So I mean, that's that's why we say all the time we need to think biblically on these issues. You know, basically she's saying, you know, basically the culture at large is saying children are cursed, they're a burden, whereas the Bible says children are blessings from the Lord. They're gifts from God. They're like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So I mean, what father doesn't want to go into battle with more arrows in his quiver, like we always say? So you basically you see that dichotomy through and through. Um, so yeah, we, we need to make sure we're always uh, standing on God's word that doesn't change rather than the shifting sands of man's opinion. Uh, you know, if you go on my Facebook today, I made a post about the governor of, of Michigan. Michigan. Um, anyone in the audience today from Michigan? Oh, you didn't bring your governor with you, did you? Back, yeah. <laughs> she needs to come here to the Gratia yeah. Museum, actually. And she needs to go through the Fearfully and Wonderfully Made exhibit out there, which, by the way, we're tripling in size. The new exhibit, yeah. where you're there in the um, Palm Plaza area, and we have construction going on behind there. We're tripling in size. The Fearfully and Wonderfully Made exhibit is going to be absolutely outstanding and nothing like it in the world. But uh, the reason I mention her is because, you know, she said recently, about uh, Roe versus Wade and so on, and she wants to protect abortion in, abortion in Michigan for the sake of the children and the grandchildren. It's like, wait a minute. Well, wait a minute. She wants to kill the children. Yeah, where yeah. are they going to be? Uh, uh, yeah. th these people have, uh, they don't even think logically. No. Well, They're they don't blinded. have a worldview, a basis to yeah. account for logic, so logic yeah. goes out the window. Yeah. And we do have a fantastic book that's based on the exhibit, the Fearfully and Wonderfully Made exhibit. So you can kind of take the exhibit home with you and be able to have all of the text from the exhibit as well as the images. Um, and so it's just a fantastic way to really introduce this to people and help them understand this. Very good pro-life resource. And right outside as well, we even have the apparel, the clothes, you know, the if you have a little one How that want little, little cute <laughs> shirts there. So yep. feel free that to pick that up right outside. Once. <laughs> I think we all fit into these one at one time. Oh, okay. So this next article is also on abortion. It says, my unborn son may not live long, but he still deserves protection from those looking to end his life. And so what this article is, is about um, some parents that have really been involved in the pro-life movement. And I'm really thankful for all the things that they have done to try to, um, you know, to save life. And um, they themselves, right now, the woman uh, is pregnant with a child who has a, a fatal, most likely a fatal disorder called trisomy 18. And um, so she they kind of talk about that and, and, you know, the life, the care that they want that child to have. Um, um, but, but, and, and I do, like I said, greatly appreciate all the things that these parents are doing to try to, um, to be pro-life. But I am worried about how they go about doing that. And that is where, um, and, and we've seen this a lot, um, and where a lot of pro-lifers are using very utilitarian, very pragmatic arguments to argue for life instead of the ultimate argument, which is the word of God. And that's why I think it's important to understand something here. You see, because if you just use pragmatic type arguments, and they're just, then they're just opinions, why shouldn't somebody else use opinions to the contrary? Yeah, exactly. right? right? How do you decide whose opinions are the right one? Yeah. And one of the things that I've, I've said a lot is that People need to understand, when you look at issues like abortion, uh, gay marriage, uh, the gender issues, euthanasia, pedophilia, and so on, they're not all different problems. They're all the same problem. Mm -hmm. They're different symptoms. Right. The problem is, when you build your thinking on man's word, then anything goes in regard to all those issues. But when you build your thinking on God's word, 
then you know what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. And so ultimately, if you're just arguing up at the level of worldview, it's just a clash of worldviews. It's, it's, it's just your opinions. But the solution is people need to trust the word of God mm -hmm. and, and trust Jesus Christ for salvation and build their thinking on God's word to have a true biblical worldview. If ultimately we're not dealing with the foundational issue, then you can say all these other things about, well, you know, you're protecting the child and you're killing a human being if you're abort and so on. And, and you say, yeah, well, that, well, that's true. But if your argument's only up here, ultimately you'll lose in the long run because yeah. unless people have the right foundation, they're not going to have the right worldview. Yeah. At, at the same time, though, when we're reading about these kind of articles, remember just to be praying for these parents, especially baby Zion. You know, this is a very hard situation that the parents are having to go through. But yeah, like, like Georgia was saying, that really is the major flaw of many of the pro-life groups today. They're basically saying we can keep our Bible out of it. We can just give them the evidence, just give them the science. But really, it's something we've been saying for a long time. It's not an evidence issue. It's a heart right. issue. And that's the reason why they're going to kill their child, because they're trying to sacrifice their child onto that God of self. And so throughout you know, the article, they mentioned groups like Floor the right, right to Life, you know, which of course, a lot of the Right to Life groups are also very compromised in terms of that um, worldview as well. But basically, it comes down to adapting the myth of neutrality, right? They, they think that they can be neutral in these type of reasons, but like we say all the time, neutrality is a myth. There is no such thing. You either stand on man's word or you stand on God's word. And so that's what we're seeing well, here. You know, I had uh, someone once who, who said to me, so what it's human when it's developing in our womb? We're just animals. Yeah. And see, that's the point. Well, yeah, and people can argue, some people will say, well, you should argue that life begins at fertilization, like science is clear on this. Okay, so there's individuals that say, I agree, life begins at fertilization. That yep. is a human baby, and yep. you are killing it, and that's okay. Yep, exactly. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Like, exactly. all of those arguments can be pretty easily defeated um, yep. because, again, they're not based on the Word of God. And we want to argue that these are image bearers, regardless of what disease or disorder they may have, and they have a right to life because of that, um, and not just some arbitrary argument that can easily be defeated, um, we don't want and to use that. That's and why it makes a big difference when somebody says to you, but that's your opinion, say no, mm -hmm. no, this is what God's word right. says, this I appeal to God right. as the authority. Right. When they say they don't believe that, say okay, you don't believe it, but he is the authority nonetheless. That's why you're going to make sure that's the authority you're appealing to, yeah. the and, absolute word of and God. And she was saying too how it's exactly. really interesting, once this baby was diagnosed with trisomy 18, which is fatal most of the time, that the, the doctors really change their tune as to how they treat the baby, how they, yeah. what the kind of care they're going to give her and all of that. Yeah. And, and so Suddenly that it's just is, a statistic. Yeah, that's wrong. Okay. I mean, that's absolutely wrong. And I agree with them strongly on that point that this individual needs to be, this baby is still a baby yeah. <laughs> and nothing has changed. That's right. still a, a life worth saving and worth trying to save. But mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, but they, we just need to remember that our arguments, our ultimate argument, those are all secondary arguments. The ultimate argument is the word of God. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I just thought it was a great example of what the, basically what the medical community sees today in terms of our preborn neighbors, basically saying that, that money, effort, and convenience is more important than the life of that child. So throughout the article, basically that's what they're saying is, you know, before they found out about this diagnosis, they were talking about baby Zion, it was a baby, they're all excited. And all of a sudden that diagnosis came in, all of a sudden Zion became just a statistic, just, a, just an inconvenience for everyone involved is what they kept saying. Yeah. And, and and I guess they kept hounding them after that over and over again. And um, so I, I guess, yeah, that's just a good example of Isaiah 520. You know, woe to those who call evil good and yeah. good evil.
All right, whale sharks are world's biggest omnivores, study says. So, study finds. And so, basically, <laughs> this is the largest fish in the sea. Um, and so, they always thought that it fed on krill and that that was its major um, diet. But they come to find out it's also feeding on seaweed because they're filter feeders. And so, the way when they're grabbing krill, they're also grabbing a lot of seaweed. And it actually turns out they're metabolizing it, the seaweed, it seems like better than mm -hmm. even the krill. Which is kind of cool. Well, it's interesting. You know, if you remember it, in, in the creation, before the fall, Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, God told Adam and Eve to eat fruit. And then verse 30, it says, and the animals ate plants. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting, too. Yeah. In Australia, a number of years ago, there was a, it was actually on the Discovery Channel. They had a documentary on uh, the great white shark. And one of the things, they did a test on uh, what it preferred to eat. And they put out squid and so on. And they put out some seaweed. They found it went for the seaweed yeah. first yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, before it went for, for the others. Yeah. So, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, you go swimming on the East Coast there and have <laughs> seaweed on you and think <laughs> if the shark comes, it'll want the seaweed. Because it did go for the other things as well. So yeah. remember yeah. that. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, I feel like every month, every week, it's always like, you know, everything we thought we knew may not actually be true. We got to rewrite everything. It's like, we got we to gotta come up with a game yeah. for this, you know, yeah. buzzer. It's just, the whole thing is just a whale of a tail, of course. And but they do talk about it being like an evolutionary response. You know, well, the whale was, you know, having all this seaweed, and so it figured out a way to evolve, a way to metabolize it. And they're like, no, that doesn't work. Like, it doesn't just do that. It, evolution doesn't have a conscious. It doesn't have a mind. It can't say, well, I should, I should evolve this because of this. Yeah. Um, that doesn't work. And so, again, there's yeah. no explanation as to how it evolved this amazing design to be able to metabolize seaweed and krill. Just the dumb um, luck it again. Just dumb over, luck, over you know? Yeah, and yeah. I know there's a number of young people in the audience and, you know, a lot of times what they hear on TV or depending on what school they go to, what textbook they have, it, you'll even read things where it says evolution did this and evolution mm -hmm. solved the problem this yeah. way and evolution, evolution decided to do it. Yeah. Evolution, can't uh, do that. what is it? Yeah, yeah. it's not you, a thing. You it mean can't do that. man's storytelling mm -hmm. said this. That's what it's all yeah. about. It's a basic logical fallacy, basically, because evolution doesn't have a mind, can't right. think, can't do things. The reification. They, yeah, exactly. That's the fancy word. Okay. That's the fancy word. Last article here. Plesiosaur fossils found in the Sahara suggest they weren't just marine animals. And so, basically, they're finding this, obviously, in the Sahara, in the Cretaceous layer. And they would say that that means that these plesiosaurs were actually in rivers because this is 100 million year old river system that they're supposedly finding mm -hmm. and so that these plesiosaurs which are marine reptiles not dinosaurs um, <laughs> that they were actually um, not just saltwater so they're also freshwater reptiles potentially hey back according to their own evolutionary story back then did they have lots of motor cars running around <laughs> you know why I'm asking that because they said that this is desert and was once very lush. So obviously mm -hmm. climate change happened. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's the answer to everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically throughout this, I mean, this just makes sense in the biblical worldview. We're talking about flood sediment and, and they're getting those right. millions of years basically because it's in the Cretaceous rock layer. So based on those uniformitary and evolutionary worldview assumptions. But um, I just thought it was funny they were mentioning, you know, but what does this mean for the Loch Ness Monster, of course? Right. And, and they, they're like, well, Loch Ness Monster had to be myth because the last plesiosaur died out 66 million years ago. So you see right there that bias in the very end. But I mean, at, at the same time, who well, knows? Loch Ness You know, you know another thing they say in this article, this is something to remember. They say uh, the plesiosaur was eating this and that and all the rest, and they got all these other fossils in there, and they're just assuming they all live together. Right. 
But you don't know they live together. You only know they are buried together because you right. find them together. You don't even know they died together. They could have been killed by a, a global flood that washed them all in there and deposited right. them all. I mean, right. that's possible too, right? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what you have yeah. to keep in mind. Always it's, separate the facts from the fiction. But it could be that they, some of them, there are animals today, like dolphins, <laughs> that live in rivers and live in oceans. So they can live in both, um, depending on how adaptable they are or how, you know, maybe different species, yeah. species have formed. So it's possible. I mean, that's nice. But again, this is historical science. We don't know because, exactly, mm -hmm. because again, it's just that they're buried there, not that they necessarily lived there. Amen. By the way, all the people that are here for our live audience today, they do not need to go back home. <laughs> Because we are hiring. That's right. Did you know that? That's right. That's right. We have 120 full-time jobs and seasonal jobs. We have yeah. seasonal jobs all year long. Mm -hmm. Or if you're just retired and bored with life. <laughs> we have moved to Northern Kentucky. Come on down. If you're a Christian creationist can, can breathe, we're ready to hire you. <laughs> Yeah, we're hiring, and then also we have internships available yep. as well. So if you're yep. a young person and you're interested in a certain area, um, we have a lot of those available, like writing and graphic design and exhibit artistry and just all kinds of things that you can come and um, be able to do that with. And Rob, you have a special cool thing that you have on the website right now, too. Yeah, so if you guys if you guys have kids, I, I mean, even for adults, too, the kids' website is a really great, great resource. It talks about, you know, because we're always talking about the next generation, right, making sure we're equipping answers for the next generation of kids, of course, and um, we have a really great website, Answers uh, in Genesis, Genesis.org slash kids. Uh, if you guys go there, there's right on the front page, you can, there's a, um, a website called Ask a Rocket Scientist. So you guys can go on there, you can ask me any uh, space-related astronomy, and you know, rocket science kind of related question. I know we didn't talk about any space ones uh, today, but uh, if you guys are curious about what it looks like in terms of a biblical worldview, how do we look at stars, planets, uh, you know, just any, anything in general as well, um, I'll, I'll I'll look at it usually every week or so. I'll pick a question to answer, and then we'll post it to the website. So make sure you always check back to see if your answer was actually uh, yeah. answered. There. Have you ever Very been cool. to a black hole? That's my question. Ah. Okay. I actually have an article on that on the black hole that I uh, answered on the kids' website. All right. Well, we're out of time for today, so we'll see you back next Monday. God bless.